0: Welcome to another episode of Girls Know Nothing. Today in the studio, I have Cheza. You might recognize Cheza from TikTok. Um, if you don't, do you want to give yourself a bit of an introduction?
1: So basically, I would say all rounder, my video, my videos have definitely changed. There used to be a lot of... Um, Comedy and like I used to do this thing called How Many Shots, but now it's a little bit more educational, I think. So, obviously, I'm trans, I'm a trans woman. I had gender reassignment surgery about six months ago now. So, um, a lot, a big handful of my videos are about uh, my gender reassignment surgery and also a little bit of comedy as well, a little bit of joking in there too, making light of situations like that.
0: Yeah, yeah I definitely want to speak to you about your gender reassignment surgery because I don't know very many people that have had got to that stage of their transition yet. And watch, I watched your videos, and I learned so much from it already, so I'm kind of like here to learn from you as well. Um, but one thing that I always... I always say to people that are transphobic, people that are transgender, know that they are not the gender they were born into.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think people who are transphobic are the ones who probably either feel embarrassed because they fancy trans people or they are insecure in their own gender themselves. Is that what you've experienced when you speak to people that are transphobic? Well, no, I just, well, yeah, kind of, because I think if you're so uncomfortable with how someone lives their life and if I'm living my life and I'm happy and I'm content in living my life, why does that bother you so much? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Clearly, you're unhappy in yourself if this bothers you so much. Why does it bother you so much? Why are you so pressed about how I'm living my life? And I think, boy, mostly men who are transphobic to me, they um, say things like taking the mick out of wanting to sleep with me. And it's like, well, if you want to sleep with me, just say that. You don't have to be rude and take the piss out of it, basically.
0: It's like it's a it's like day-old um, slur when people be like, well, you're a slag if you reject them.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 100%. So, I'm um, like
0: that I will put these questions like throughout the whole episode, but I did put on my Instagram story you saw asking people for questions. And a lot of the time, a lot of the questions were like, how did you know? Like what was the age of because you started your transition really really young. So like yeah. when was the age or the time where you were like I 100% am in the wrong body?
1: Um So I think as I was younger, I always knew that I was really different. I can't exactly describe the feeling of what it was. I always just knew how uncomfortable I was ever even associating myself with the male species. Even like men in my family, I wouldn't even really speak to them. I just didn't want anything to do with men in general. I think that goes back to me having, like, excruciating, like, gender dysmorphia and not understanding anything about the gender I was born, like, or the sex I was born into. I just didn't, I just didn't, I didn't want to know. I didn't understand. I just was very closed off to anything that was male. I had no intentions of associating that in my life. So I think it was all throughout my childhood. I I was always very uncomfortable. So, you know, I always looked very feminine. I always grew up. Um, playing with girls. So I never had any friend. like if I had like a play date when I was younger, I'd always have like girls around. I'd never be friends with any boys. All of my toys growing up were, you know, girl toys like Barbie, like Polly Pocket, like Doll's House, anything like that. Yeah. So I was completely in my head living how any girl would, but I wasn't. I was, you know, still technically a boy. But um, I think I was about 11 years old because when I came out, it was the day that this like LGBT group came into my primary school and there was like a gay man and a lesbian woman and I was a trans woman. And um, the trans woman just basically explained what trans is. And as soon as she said it, I was like, okay, right, that's me, basically. So I came home, spoke to my mum and said, mum, I think I want to be a girl. And my mum looked at me and goes, Guess Reese, I know that you want to be a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite apparent to everyone else around me. Um I didn't actually ever really admit it to my admit it to myself. Like I never would go, Oh, I want to be a girl. I just was fine not saying anything. And then I did come home one day and go, okay, I know that I do actually really want to be a girl. So I did I've always just thought it in the back of my mind, basically. So, so was it like the
0: education side of it, like when people actually said to you what it is and like how it made them feel, like actually finding somebody that you found relatable
1: yeah absolutely like someone explaining what it is and me going oh okay no that's me because I know I think when you're quite young you you don't understand what it means and all these thoughts going through your mind you don't understand what it means so I think when someone does break it down for you and you see someone who is confident and is happy in themselves you go oh okay okay I could be that that could be me so yeah, it was quite refreshing to see that, definitely.
0: I think it's also really nice to hear that you literally came home that day and said yeah. it to your mum. Literally, literally that day. A lot of people, even when it comes out, like when they're coming out about sexuality, they're too scared to tell their parents or they
1: don't feel comfortable. Yeah. So it's really nice to see that you have a supportive mum. Both of my parents are, my whole family actually are just incredible. I think that's a, that is the kind of the main reason why I did speak to them because it just was... I, could ne- I, would ne- I would know I'd never feel scared to tell them. I mean, maybe because I always dressed very feminine and they would never even say anything about it. They would just let me get on and do my own thing, which probably made me think, oh, okay, you know, I never was growing up in a household where you have to do this and you've got to play football. Well, no, it was never that. It was always just you be who you want to be. As long as you're okay and you're happy, then it's fine. So I always knew that I could speak to my parents about anything. And I still do now. Like, if I'm having a problem, the first person I want to call is my mum. And I'll go, look, this is going on, blah, blah. blah, blah. So, yeah, it's very important, definitely.
0: How did people at school, like your peers and friends, take it?
1: Um, So, I went to a really big primary school um, in Brighton. And so, like a majority of that school went to my secondary school. Okay. It was quite weird. Like a lot, a lot of it was like I think half of my year, or like a third of my year, went ended up going to my secondary school. So I knew so many people. So because I came out officially in year seven, so it was like second term of year seven, everyone kind of rallied around me a little bit, or I I felt support a lot from like the girls, especially because I knew a lot of them and you know, our parents all knew each other, so I I was okay. I was definitely scared, and there were people who were fucking horrible. Can we swear? Sorry. No, you okay can again? swear. <laughs> um, there were people who were fucking horrible and, like, really vile and just, you know, they would write stuff on my Facebook and, like, shout at me in the street and say all sorts of things to me. But as growing up as a trans person goes, it was okay. You know, I was never, like, beaten up or anything like that. I was never physically hurt. I was definitely... Verbally assaulted and definitely like cyber bullied or whatever, even though now it's like it still happens all the time because I'm yeah. still trolled every day on social media. But, um, you know, I still got all of that stuff, which I think is actually partly the reason why when I get trolled now, I don't really care because I've had it all, I've had it since I was like 11 years, 11, 12 years old. So it's like, whatever.
0: Yeah. Because I think one of the things as well I wanted to bring up with you is that um, obviously you have over 300,000 followers on TikTok. Yeah. Which, TikTok can be such a toxic platform in terms of trolling. Yeah. And you must get it a lot from transphobic people. Yeah. Um, And one of the questions I did get as well is like, how do you deal
1: with trolling mentally? I don't, I don't let myself go to that place with it. I really don't because... I don't know why. I've never... I think maybe once in my life when I was just kind of getting big on TikTok, I think I sat there. And this is when I started telling people on TikTok I was trans. I think there was... It was like one time I sat there and cried and got upset about it. And that was the last time. Like I do not let people who I don't know, firstly, or I care about affect how I feel at all. I couldn't give a toss what people who I don't know or don't care about think about me because they're just unhappy in the moment, their own selves. Like It's just their opinion. Like, people who are irrelevant to my life, who gives a shit what they say about me? Like, who cares? I think it's worse when if I go on, like, a live on TikTok and people are trolling me because it's all in real time. Yeah. Then it gets a little bit too, like, okay, fucking hell. This is a bit jar. It's more jarring. Yeah. But um, when I see comments and stuff, one, I have so many words that are like... Um, I think I have like 50 words that are approvable or not. Okay, yeah. So it's like, I can't see them firstly. And if I do ever go on them, I go... I think it's quite... Some people are just... I think it's funny because I'm just like, you're just fucking stupid. And these jokes are And they always try and say jokes. I was like, none of these jokes are landing. Like, if these jokes were funny, then maybe I would like care. But none of these jokes are just shit at the end of the day. So,
0: Is it always from the same like types of people that you get the same trolling from?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's all kind of fake accounts and it's normally like young It's normally like teenage boys mostly sometimes i see like a like a mother though like i can click on their profile and it'll be like a mother and it'll be like a page of kids and stuff and i'll be like wow like like I, that's what concerns me actually yeah. when people who are parents um, are commenting that because, like, my mum and, like, anyone, everyone I know around me's mum would never even dream about doing something like that. We would never... Like, they would never, like, send hate to a person for being themselves, so it just makes me a little bit concerned. Like, wow, if you're doing that to a random stranger on the internet, like, what are you doing to your kids? Like, what are you saying to them? If you're if you're actually, like, taking the time out of your day to write something transphobic on someone's page, then, like, what are you... Like, you've got a family and you've got kids, you're, you're that unhappy in yourself that you need to write that.
0: Yeah, because, like, you're for, like in the brief time that I've spoken to you, you set, basically felt like your coming out journey was so positive. Yeah. And like, it puts the fear of life into me that if somebody who is a parent is like that, what if yeah. their child wants to come out? Even if it's not trans, like if they want to come out about anything, mm-hmm. would they feel
1: empowered and comfortable to go to their parent knowing that's what their parents put in online? Exactly. Exactly. Like I could I could never imagine something like that for me. And I've seen, I've got many, many trans friends who have had horrible, horrible, horrible experiences with their parents and their upbringing. And it just breaks my heart for them, because it's like, that's not how it should be. Or, Your parents should love you unconditionally, and that's just it at the end of the day. But unfortunately, that isn't the case with a lot of people and with most people. So, yeah, it, it does make me feel worried for them. And it makes you feel worried that we're in a world that's meant to be ever-changing and ever-growing. But apparently, there's we have a long fucking way to go, clearly, still. I think one of the questions
0: I got as well is that um, one of my followers has a trans sibling um, and she is too scared to go on public transport or out in public because of physical, either physical or verbal abuse in public in real life. Yeah. Have you ever had that experience yourself?
1: Um, Not physical. I mean, I think I could have definitely had... Maybe physical abuse, I don't know. I haven't, so I can't say for sure. But I've definitely had, like, even out clubbing, not in like, a gay club or anything like that, but, like, a a normal club. I remember this time I had, and I spoke about this briefly on Saving Grace, I spoke about, I said um, I was out in a club and this guy came up to me and was like, oh, I recognize you. You're trans, aren't you? And every time a guy, a lot of time, I do have that a lot of the times, by the way, when men come up to me and go, yeah, you're, you're Reese, you're Chesia, you're, you're that tranny. And I'm like, always taking aback a little bit because one, it's like, right, okay, it's also like none of your fucking business as well. Like, yeah. I might speak about it online, but it's also like, why are you bringing this up with me? Like, I don't know. So, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he brings his friend over and then they come speaking to me and then with literally in 30 seconds, I've got about, 10, 15 men surrounding me in the smoking area of this club. And I'm just like, and they're asking me questions, they're giving me dirty looks and some of them are being silent and it's just the vibes were completely off and I was like, this is scary, I need to get the fuck out of here basically. So I was with my friend, I was like, we need to go. Um, and we left, but it was like those situations where I am one and there's like 10 of them, I'm really vulnerable, I need to get out of here. So I always pick up on I, which I think most people do. If there's something really weird going on, you kind of have an inkling about what's about to happen, so you leave, which I did. So yeah, people can be really weird in real life. It's never really women. Sometimes some girls have been a bit strange and said some strange things to me. It's more passive. It's more patronizing. Like, well, yeah, but you're prettier than me. Like, I could never even tell. Like, you're so much more feminine than I am, and it's like, oh fuck off. What does that even mean? That, that's not meant to. That's not a compliment. You're just like trying to. I don't know. I think that's not a compliment saying that to a trans person, like, oh, you could never tell, or you, you're you way more feminine than me, you look more a girl than I do, and it's like, what is a girl meant to look like then? Yeah, What's your standards that, oh, I'm meant to be this person? And also, it's offensive to other trans people as well. It's like saying, oh, right, so I look like this, but what is a trans person like, meant to okay look like? You're okay because you're passing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's like, that's actually really not okay to say to someone it's really not okay
0: so what advice would you give to somebody like if they feel in a vulnerable situation when they're out in public or they feel like how would they deal with that kind of situation
1: I mean my best advice is to try and get out of that situation which is such an awful thing that I have to say or try and tell someone who is an authority member like go and if someone's working at the train like if you're at a train station for example and something's happening go and tell a member of staff or go and tell someone because that is the best thing you can do but it's sad because it really shouldn't be like that. I shouldn't have to go and say to someone, oh, this is happening, like, blah, 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 scared of their safety hood because they just want to go out in public. Like, it's so not okay. But go and tell someone who's, like, an authority member, or go and tell a member of staff or something and try and get help and say, this is what's going on. And someone should be able to help you and put you in a safe space, which is what I've done. In like, If someone's been inappropriate to me and... You know, I was young and when I was young, quite vulnerable, I'd go and tell someone who's, like, a member of staff wherever I am and then they'd, you know, help you and look after you.
0: Yeah, no, it's weird that you have to put the, like, onerous on the victim
1: to, like, make themselves Mm -hmm. feel safe rather Mm -hmm. than...
0: Just to tell the people to leave people alone. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um,
0: like one of the, I was like browsing through your TikTok quite late last night. Um, <laughs> and you know, I one thing that I found really like amazing that did make me really happy is that you were able to start your journey like really young. She you felt comfortable coming out. You could go on hormone blockers and start taking hormones really young. But did you ever find that there was a time when you were speaking to like medical professionals and they were like, "No, you need to wait," or they just didn't believe you, or? made it difficult for you more than it should be?
1: Do you know, actually, no. Um, I mean, yeah, of course, When at some times when people were saying certain things to me, like, oh, is this really what you want? And I would always just go, I think my parents prepared me for that in a way. So I thought I always had to like prove myself and go, yeah, I mean, the amount of paperwork and people I had to speak to before going on any sort of medication, I think... We, I first went to the GP when I was 10. And then I started on hormone blockers, which stopped male puberty at 13. So that's three years in the waiting list. You can't even do it now, though. Yeah. You can't, it's illegal. There was a court case with this person who went to the Tavistock Centre, which is where I went, who really, really, really looked after me. But now, since this court case, it's basically become illegal to go on hormone blockers. And if you do want to go on hormone, because before you turn 16, which is when most people have already gone through puberty, um, you have to go for like a court case. It's like, it's not the same as it was. So I do count myself extremely lucky that I was able to do that before all of this happened. Because I do know um, like family, friends, and like younger trans kids who still haven't been able to go on this medication because of. The laws that are changing and everything like that. So it is it's scary. It's like, so why? So this is this is the first thing that's happened, or one of the first things that's happened. What's gonna be next? Is it gonna be like, oh, it's gonna be illegal for trans people to go in their certain gender bathroom, like the gender bathroom they want to go in? Like what what's gonna be the case with this? So it is it is scary. So I did have to part up with a little bit of that oh, like, is this really what you want? But I think because I was so adamant and determined to get those hormone blockers before ever going through puberty, I was just kind of... All I remember is just being so on the ball to get it, which is what most trans people do want. They want to just to get the medication. So if they want to medically transition, because not all of them do, but if you do want to medically transition, all you're thinking about is that end goal. And that's all it was for me, really. So yes, they did have to answer those annoying questions like, are you sure, blah, blah, blah. But for me, I was like, I don't even care, I just want this. But now, it's like, they don't even have an end goal to look look to. They just have these people like constantly, constantly, constantly. And because, not to get too political, but because (laughs) the um, NHS is so underfunded and everything takes so much longer than it should do, it's not only that, it's also the waiting list is even longer now. So everything is just, it's just not, it's just, I can't even say the word, but it's not opposing to the trans people. It's basically opposing to the trans people's like, yeah. it's hard. And for everyone else as well, who needs to go through certain things. And then I get people writing on my TikTok, like, you're wasting taxpayers' money, you know, getting your because I got my surgery on the NHS, and I was like, Oh, you're wasting taxpayers' money getting the surgery on the NHS. It's like hold on, how is my surgery that is completely... It's completely a mental health thing. It's not like this is a cosmetic... It's not like I'm just like, oh, I want my boobs to be... But it's not like I'm getting my boobs on, which is fine. Like, you can get your boobs on, whatever. but it's not like I'm doing that on the NHS. This is something that has been mentally fucking up my life, my entire my entire life, you know. So how can you say that something you don't understand is wasting a taxpayer's money... It just makes it just makes no sense.
0: I mean, there could be a lot of things that you could go down, not to get too political, but there could be a lot of things that you could say we're wasting money. But it's do you feel like being able to get on hormone blockers before you ever reach puberty like made your mental health so much better?
1: Yeah, definitely. I don't know what I would do if I wasn't able to get on them before puberty because I was able to transition the way I wanted to transition. Um, and I just would have found it very difficult not being able to do that.
0: Yeah, because I everyone um, I've ever spoken to that is um, trans and transitioning, they're a lot older. Yeah. Like 21 and had full, fully transitioned. Mm-hmm. And then when I went on TikTok, you were saying that you'd been on hormones for six years. That's such a long
1: yeah. process. So when mm-hmm. people are like,
0: oh, you know, people just wake up one day and decide they're a different gender. No. For you to have gone through a, a minimum of 10 years in your transition. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, it is that
0: actually. Yeah. Ten Isn't years. it? Did you ever like what was the hardest part of like that 10 years apart from getting accepted to have the medication you needed?
1: I think the hardest thing to ever, I think there's two actually. So medically it was was a couple, but medically I remember when I first year of hormones was probably the most mentally straining on myself. I was so depressed, like I just I just started the hormones and I don't think I realized how much they would take on, take a toll on my mental health. Like I was so depressed for that first year, like wouldn't get out of bed. I was at college, I would never go to college. I just sat, slept, did nothing with myself, just had no motivation at all. Like I was known for like doing makeup and like really good at makeup back in the day. I would even like. I would go for like months on end without putting a face on, like months on end, which for a trans woman is like unheard of as well. But it was just, that's how like in a deep pit I was. So that was really difficult. And I did go to therapy and sort it out. And, and I did end up actually going on antidepressants because I was extremely depressed, which I've never actually spoken about before. But I did end up going on antidepressants because I was on a, in a really, really dark place. That was really difficult. And I, but I brought myself out of it, and I'm absolutely fine now. And um, I'm actually grateful for that time because I think that that was like rock bottom, and I'm never going back to that place. So that was really tough. Um, and I think, oh, what was else I was gonna say? I think obviously recovering from surgery was hard, but that was also like a really great thing as well because I knew it was gonna be fine. So that was pretty tough. But then I got out of that, which was okay. But yeah, it was definitely first year of starting hormones was really, really intense for me. In a really challenging time, I can
0: imagine you're putting your like your whole body through so much pressure,
1: mm-hmm. especially at such a young age as well. When you're yeah, trying 16. to deal with yeah, when you try to deal with school, yeah, and like and boys as well, yeah, and stuff like that. That was that was what I was gonna say. Relationships was very difficult. Now it's okay, but um, in school, feeling very lonely in that sense of no one fancies me and blah 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 like all that kind of stuff.
0: Was that something you ever worried about, like, whether somebody would ever fancy you?
1: Yeah, I used to get told by, like, school bullies and people like that, be like, oh, you'll never be loved, like, you'll never have a boyfriend, no one's ever going to fancy you. Um, So I used to get told stuff like that when I was younger, so it was, that really affected me deeply, actually. And those were, like, words that would stick with me. Has it affected you post-school? Yeah, definitely. I still think about what people said to me in school. Definitely. No, I try not to because I look at myself now and I'm like, those people, who the fuck are those people? Like, no offense, like, in a nice, not to blow smoke on my own ass, but those people who used to be horrible to me when I was younger look at me now and look at them like, where are they now? Like, I know that sounds so vile to say, but because when, I think when you do get. Tormented when you were younger. It wasn't all, I wasn't like terrible, the worst thing in the world, but I still did go through it. And I think the best way to look at it for me and the best way I can move on from that is me looking about how I've made a name for myself already and what they're doing now. It's like that was horrible for me then, but I've come out the better end now. So that's
0: is, um, how I look at that. So, one of the like, we'll, we'll go on to like dating and stuff, like post, um, post-transition, but when you're going through it, like obviously when you're going through your hormones and stuff, you think about the end goal. Mm-hmm. And one thing that people always talk about is like, I saw you talking about what surgeries you would get after now that you've had your mm-hmm. lower surgery. But when you were younger, what, how did you decide what you wanted to have? Because there's, there's a lot of options out there, isn't there? Like It yeah. blows my mind how much stuff is available. Oh my God, so
1: much, yeah. Um, I didn't really know. Everyone always said to me, "Oh, do you think you'll get the surgery? And I was like, I was always in two minds about it because I thought, well, if I do get the surgery, then it's going to make my life a lot easier and better, which I'm so glad I got it done, by the way, like it's the best thing I ever did. But I was also in this mind of, I don't want to have to prove to anyone else that me getting the surgery makes me, like me not getting the surgery makes me any less than a woman, less of a woman. Like it doesn't matter what between what's between my legs, I'll always be a woman. And people might disagree with that, but that's how I feel in my mind, and that's how I always, that's how I still feel. But that was that sense of like kind of like fuck what anyone thinks. Like I'm gonna just, like keep it and just like, but also I was really unhappy with it. So it's like I didn't want to, I didn't want to keep it, but in my mind of being a bit bit of a revel on like whatever I did want to because it was that you know fuck what everyone thinks I don't care like I'm gonna keep it I'm still a fucking woman and doesn't matter if I've got a dick or not like I'm still a woman that was that kind of sense of why I wasn't sure so the only the only time I really made up my mind is when the doctor called me and said hi Reese like we've got your um this is about your surgery would you like to come in for a consultation I was like and I went to have that consultation and as soon as that conversation was done I go right this is this, I'm doing this. Like I'm absolutely doing this, and I'm not looking back. And I have never looked back. And I'm so glad I got it done because I didn't realize how much it would affect my mental health and how much happier it would make me. Like I was preparing to feel no different um, because everyone was like, "This is not going to like solve all your problems," but and it hasn't solved all my problems, but it's got a, it's got rid of a lot, and it's really couldn't so to speak, but um, it's really <laughs> quite literally got rid of a But But um, yeah, it's definitely really helped. And I do feel a lot better for doing it. What was the consultation process like? Um, Well, I mean, I've been going for meetings my whole adolescence, really. Like, since I was 11, I've been going... Is that adolescence? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been going for, like, meetings like that my whole adolescence, so I wasn't really really sure what to expect. And um, they basically just kind of told me what the surgery is, like, how they're going to do the surgery what will happen after, you know, side effects, blah, blah, blah. So it was just basically, it was like all of these meetings I've had of when am I getting it? What's going on? All of it had just gone, no, you are getting it. This is what's going to happen. And then at the end of the surgery, and at the end of sorry, at the end of the surgery, at the end of the meeting, I just bawled my eyes out. And I was like, oh my God, I've been waiting so many years to get this. Like it was just such a full circle moment for me. Um I just remember being really nervous the whole time, just like biting my nails, being like, "Oh my god, what's going on? What's going on?" Because it's really it is
0: invasive, like it's not. Oh my god, like yeah. surgery did no, I? No, they like decide? did like a whole
1: physical exam on me that day, and I was like, "Shit, like this is a bit much."
0: Oh my god, that, I know. Uh, I think
1: that would terrify
0: me. Yeah, it did. It was a bit much. Can't lie. And I think when I when I saw on your TikTok that you said it took two
1: hours. I'm yeah, two hours. I like, thought it was what? eight hours. Like, I went into that meeting, I was like, how, how long is it going to take? Like, what, well, eight hours? i are like, No, two and a half hours. I was like, What? And it's so complex, it's so complex as well. Yeah, I always do this because this is actually what they do. Like, for yeah, I've watched the surgery online, yeah, the digital one.
0: I think on TV, I actually watched a real one. Really? Oh, I haven't even watched a real one. I
1: won't want to watch a real one. It was,
0: um... I think I went for a really weird phase where I was, like, so interested in, like, stuff like that. And I don't know why, but I was just... I think modern medicine is, like, an amazing thing to me. No, it is, to be fair. And I was always really interested in, like, how it worked. So I have watched an actual one, I, I... Probably wouldn't watch it if I was you. No, I don't watching. Nice watch it. Because like. I,
1: I really don't. I was even watching the cartoon one, and I was like, oh, shit. And that was after I've had it done. I was like, yeah, no, I actually don't really want to know what the, what exactly they do. As long as I have a working vagina, then that's all I <laughs> mind. Like, I, that's all I care about.
0: But, like, it's... Yeah, for, like, oh, when I had my boobs done, that was an hour. Yeah. And, like, technically, all they did was...
1: Like cut open them, but just off you go.
0: So like when I when you said it was two hours or two and a
1: half hours, I was like, what? Like I know, right? Your doctor must be an absolute magician. He is. I mean, to be fair, he is like Dr. Coker, Nuffield, Brighton, shout out. Um, he (laughs) is absolutely incredible. Like he is just he is a magician, quite literally. Like I've seen his work. Um um, I've seen his like he showed me pictures of what it's gonna look like afterwards. I was like I was like the most beautiful, like Row of vaginas I've ever seen in my life. I was like, oh my god, that's what's gonna look like. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, he is incredible, and I was. I was shocked that it's taking two and a half. It took two and a half hours. It was crazy.
0: What was the recovery like? Because. Oh it's gonna it be such a brutal. weird question, but like obviously no, go you for have it. to pee, like at some point.
1: Oh my god. So so when you first come out of surgery, so for the first four days you have a catheter in, which is like firstly Demightful. fucking horrid, like the worst. <laughs> like you're all bad, like you can't, I couldn't see it at all. Like I couldn't obviously when you first have surgery about anything, you can't. See it. So I was all like bandaged up and a lovely catheter coming out, um, which was just vile, and um yeah, it was an, it was a lot. So peeing. So when I first took it out, peeing was weird. So when you have um, a dick, you pee out the end, and that's where your so you pee out the end and use it's the same hole for everything. So um, when they reconstruct you, the tip becomes the clip. Okay. So when I was about to go for a pee, I thought my pee was going to come up my clip, but it didn't, it came up some other hole. And I was like, this is so weird. It felt like I was peeing out my bum, but I wasn't, obviously. (laughs) But because it was so much further down, it felt like, it was just like weird. I was like, where is this this other hole? And um, it was quite difficult to pee, actually, at first. Like, it was like, I didn't, it was like... I had to really relax. I was like, "How do I do this?" Like my body just didn't know what to do, and I was like pushing, and I was like, as I was pushing out of my clit, I was like, "This is not, this is." The, so it was the weirdest thing. So obviously, I not I've done a video about this. So imagine the, that's where it feels like you need to pee out of, but that's where it is. Peeing, you're peeing out of. So it's just the weirdest thing in the world. I got used to it after about. Three weeks, three, four weeks. I was like, okay, I'm okay, I'm into this now. But... yeah, because
0: I was gonna ask you, does it still feel like that? No,
1: it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't. Like it's completely normal now. But um yeah, it was so so fucking weird at first. Like that was one of the weirdest things actually peeing was just like this is so strange. And there were times where I got really I remember I got home, I was like a week and a so I was in hospital for six or seven days, and then I got. I was gonna say I got released. Then I got. What is it called? I think it is released. Released no? or remission? Discharge.
0: Discharge.
1: That's it. I got so dis- like coming out of
0: prison, like literally <laughs> released. I got released.
1: No, I got released. I got discharged, and um, it was like a kind of couple of days later, and um, I couldn't pee. I was like, oh my god, I can't pee, and I really needed the toilet, and. I didn't know what to do. I was like calling them, like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, okay, well, if you need to go to any, you're gonna to have to take our number and contact. I was like, oh fuck, like, what am I gonna do? So I did I did end up peeing, but because I was so stressed, I didn't I forgot how to pee. So oh. it was just all really weird. That was very stressful. The first week or two at home were fucking rough, like really rough. Like I was bleeding all the time. I not to be too TMI, but I was bleeding all the time. It was like, really painful. They did give me medication to take yeah. home, thank God. I couldn't go to the toilet. Like, it was just... Because obviously you're on... They give you codeine, and codeine bungs you up.
0: okay. So,
1: yeah, it wasn't pleasant. The first two weeks were shit, can't lie. And you oh. can feel it all. It's just like, oh, my God.
0: It's really weird. because like with, sur- with a lot of surgeries, I had regretted a lot of things after two weeks. I was like, this yeah, is a very a silly decision. Yeah, Why yeah, did yeah. I to decide to do this? Well, but, no,
1: literally the day I woke up from surgery, I called my mum crying. I like, what have I Because I'm in so much pain. I was like, yeah. what have I done? What have I done? My mum was like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And I couldn't see anyone either. I wasn't allowed any visitors. So I was just on my own for six oh, days. Oh, no, that's horrible. Yeah, it was pretty shit.
0: And then, but you, on TikTok, you said it was a year to be like fully recovered.
1: Yeah, it was, that's, the, that's the kind of... That's when they say, excuse me, sorry, that's when they say it can take like a year, <laughs> um, it can take like a year basically to to recover. But I think I was, I was like back and out and about in like a month and a half, which is not advised, but I was like ready to go. I and mean, I was still I'm ready to show my smaller. design of vagina literally to and everyone's seen it as well it's kind of I terrible. have heard it
0: is magical I won't lie to you so yeah. I've heard about your vagina before I heard about you no
1: literally <laughs> everyone has everyone and their aunt has seen it it's kind of bad like everyone who I'd be i am like yeah you'll just see it I, again, I do show everyone but it's fine
0: I think it was Jack that told me about it mm-hmm. yeah he was like when you see it he was like it's amazing it's like magical and I was like Right. Okay. It's quite magical. Maybe I should meet the person before I meet the vagina. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but um, no. So, like, when it takes, when they say it takes like a year to recover, what is dating and having relationships like?
1: Oh, it's. I mean, to be fair, it's quite. I'm quite. Not only being trans, because being trans and dating is quite difficult anyway, but because I'm quite emotionally unavailable, I don't like getting to know new people as in, like, well, boys in that sense. <laughs> I'm really good at making friends, but when it comes to, like, intimacy, I'm like, <gasps> like, I really back away. Like, I really don't like meeting um, boys in that sense. Like, I feel quite, like, I want to have a boyfriend, but then there's also, I don't know, I get really scared of commitment in that sense. Like, not that I want to sleep with loads of people. It's just, I don't know, it just freaks me out a little bit. So for me, dating is like a bit of a fear. I've never had like a boyfriend before, so it just just scares me a little bit. Is
0: it is it fear of commitment just because of how shit it is to date as a trans person?
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely a factor of it because I don't know if it's gonna, if they're just going to want me because it's like a fetish thing or they're gonna. I know it's yeah yeah basically because there could be so many different reasons what their motive is as like what, they, they could have like an ulterior motive or whatever and it just scares me. Have you experienced a lot of fetishization? Oh my God, so much. I mean, not as much since my up actually, but before, oh my fucking God, like I've had, I had this boy, I've had boys who I've like known growing up who have like come out and told me that they have like a weird thing for me because I'm trans and like found out they have like this full like trans fetish thing. And I've been like, what the fuck? Like, I've, my DMs are ridiculous. Okay, I've imagine. like, just like boys like messaging me, like, let me see your dick, let me suck you off. Or be like, boys with girlfriends messaging me in their DMs being like, yeah, I really want to experiment with a trans woman. i just ignore because I'm like, I don't fucking care. But it's just, yeah. It's but they're a also lot. the people
0: that be transphobic.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the <laughs> like, thing. That's the thing
0: hmm It's so, like, oh, that's... Boys on are so weird. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> like,
1: so weird. They, they really are, but I just don't let it... I just, I just, I don't know, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't even associate myself with people like that, so... So
0: when it comes, like, so have you dated, if you've never had a boyfriend? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah I've dated. Do they
1: always know, like, I don't, I never know yeah. at what point
0: does the conversation come up.
1: I n- normally tell them, like, pretty much from the off. Okay, mm-hmm. Um, just because I feel like there's a little bit of, I feel like I'm not being honest with myself as well. I'm like I feel like I want to tell them. Like it's such a big part of me, and it's not. It's not like it's obviously who I am. It's not what I am. I just want to get it out of the way and go. Right, this is me. Like whatever. Get now. Get to know me. It's just a thing that's there. Because um, I do know a lot of trans people don't tell men, and that's they can do whatever they want. But for me personally, it's like I do want to let them know. Um, just so they do know I've always done it though I've never really not told a guy I'm trans like I've always told them pretty much from the off that I'm trans I used to like back in the day when I first turned 18 like I'd get with guys and not tell them which some some might say it's pretty bad like whatever I've never like obviously never slept with anyone because obviously I fucking know like as in before yeah Um. but no now I always do tell them
0: do you is it always like positive when you tell people or not
1: um it's like 90% okay. I'd okay. say there's a 10, maybe like 90, 85%. I, I Some boys are, or like, some boys are very like, oh, okay, that's not really my thing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. No one's really rude. Um, I think if they were rude, it's like, well, fuck off. I don't, do you know what I mean? I'd be a bit like, all right, well, you're not that special at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. And most people are okay.
0: I guess if they're not, if, they, if that's not what they're, like, if they're not okay with it, they can just say, I'm not they okay with it. They can just
1: say, yeah, exactly, which is fine, like, whatever, that's your prerogative. But there's no need to be rude. There's no need to be rude. But um, There's no need to be rude. No,
0: not, we don't want to get too political, but obviously, lots of people ask questions about um, specific people who have... So, one of the people I wanted to talk about is um, an influencer who came out as transracial. Do you know who that is?
1: Oh, is that Ollie? Yeah. What's his name? Ollie London. Yeah, that's it. That's that's weird because it also puts it in that trans category as well. Yeah. That's fucking Sorry, that is just weird. But there's no such thing as transracial. So I had a debate
0: about whether trans, why if we can accept transgender people, why can't we accept transracial people?
1: And I don't think they're the same thing. They're not the same thing at all. They're completely not the same thing.
0: I also think transracial is racism.
1: Yeah, is I racist. think transracial is racism as well. Um, but then, like, well you're, well, you're, well, the thing is, because gender isn't. I'm trying to put it into words, but it's you're, you're not you can't appropriate someone's gender. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. been performance and drag and whatever like that, and that is enlightening it. But when you're saying that you're another race that you're not, you're appropriating someone's culture and someone's race, yeah. which is not okay. It's very different, and because there's a lot of history behind that, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but it is not the same at all. Like, it's completely different. I don't think you can wake up and... Well, I don't know, because, again, I'm a white person, so I can't say to myself, oh, I woke up and because I'm not an oppressed race. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I don't know in that sense, but... I don't know. I think someone like Ollie London going, I'm Asian, when it's like, not only are you, not only is it offensive, it's also as a white person who is, doesn't experience racial prejudice, saying that you are a different race is extremely insensitive. Yeah. I just think it's just not. Like saying that he's Korean, it's just like, but well, you're not though. It's so, just weird. <laughs> but then I sound so... Tra- but being like, oh, you're a man, but you're not... You're a woman, but you're not though because you weren't born with it. It's weird. It's hard to explain. Yeah, but, And I think like when I it's was having that ex- debate,
0: yeah. I was like on the same point as you, but I found it really hard to explain it.
1: Yeah. But then
0: they recently... So they spent six months living as a Korean woman and I saw a tweet that said that they found that they are no longer identifying as a Korean woman and detransitioning. So then, do you find people like that make it really hard for people like you?
1: Yes, I think it kind of takes the piss out of trans people, and it makes trans people. It puts trans people, not only that trans people are in a bad light anyway because of other people's opinions, but it puts trans people in a fucking worse light than they already are in, and it makes us look like a joke. Um, yeah, I think it's weird. I don't think. I don't think. I don't. It's not weird. I just think it's. He's clearly got his own problems don't use don't use trans in that sense because we all, trans people are already oppressed enough without having people like that trying to destroy the narrative
0: and do like so a lot of the questions as well about um particular authors writing um mm-hmm. transphobic tweets on Twitter. yeah, and um things that and things like that. And um there's one TV presenter who tried to refer to himself as a penguin when speaking with trans people. Yeah. Do you find that that's increased the amount of hatred that's put towards the trans community?
1: Yeah, especially when that author, especially when said author has written very successful and incredible books that are, unfortunately, people connect ties, people can't disconnect with the success of what people can do within their views. So, for example, obviously, J.K. Rowling did say those things, but... The actors of the like like um Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Green and Eva Roberts have all stood up and say, Look, this these films are amazing, the books are incredible, and they've given us our careers. We do not stand with what she has said. And like, for example, saying the penguin thing, it's like, well, no, because it's not that. It's a really it's really insensitive because it's really hard to live as a trans person, and the mental health side of it is very difficult, and there's a lot of inner scrutiny, and there's a lot of inner hatred that you experience as a trans person without without people having their opinions on you, it's really insensitive to say. And hopefully in a few years' time, we'll look back and go, actually, that was so fucking wrong. But it's its not not—it's not okay to say, oh, identify as a penguin, because that's not actually the case. Especially when that person is saying it in a negative way. It's not like a... It's not like, obviously, all trans people, we, we joke with each other, because we are allowed to, because we've been through those things. Yeah. But when it's someone who has no idea what that feels like, or how... What it feels like to be trans—it's just insensitive and nasty, really. And clearly, they're insecure in themselves as well by saying stuff like that. Yeah, it's like I make Asian-related jokes to my mum, but if but somebody came up to me and made an Asian-related yeah, joke, I'm absolutely. like, mmm, I don't think that's going to work. No, exactly, it does not go down well, and it shouldn't because it's not. You you can make jokes because you've been through that thing. You could, you've been through it. It's just weird. Straight white men making jokes about other, <laughs> other people' expenses. It's not news, is it? Though no, it's not unfortunately. No. And you know, a lot of them have microphones that we just
0: can't seem to take away from them.
1: <laughs> that is a real issue, yeah, isn't it? But did you find that when these comments
0: and tweets start to come out, you were getting more hate? Um,
1: I think the hate's always been around. I think it makes it bigger. I think it, you know, people got you. It, the scary, what well, do you know? What scares me actually about it is. When, like, for example, on TikTok, when you see someone speaking like that and then you see it has like 1.1 million fucking likes and people in the comments go, Yeah, I totally agree, I totally agree. You know that it's still very apparent and it's still there. That's what scares me. It's not necessarily the hate that I get, it's more the hate that everyone has against trans people as a whole. That scares me because I don't really have fear of, I'm not scared of people being horrible to me. I'm more scared of people who are more vulnerable and more in fear of their life for being trans and how big that hate is. You know, I'll be honest, I've never, I've felt in danger, but never in danger that some trans people can fear, especially trans people of colour, like in America and what have you. It's so fucking scary. And the, like, what is it? I saw something where a black trans woman's life's life expectancy is like 35 or something like that. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And that's what scares me, how big yeah. it is, and how, but more for vulnerable trans people, less of myself, but for more others. That's what really, really scares me of how big the hate is and how much it can affect those who are more vulnerable. because yeah, 35 is, mm-hmm. I think it's 35, something young. like that. That might be, I think it's 35, 35, 36. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. That's awful.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but do you know what? It's actually really nice, I think, for, to have you on here and to say that there are positives for trans people and there are people out there that support them and there are people that were will, willing to listen. Yeah. I think it's nice to hear something positive about like for the trans community rather yeah. than all the negative stuff that we're yeah. constantly seeing.
1: No, Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: and I'm kind of fed up of having to battle off negative comments even though I'm not a trans person. But, that's,
1: but that's amazing though that you can... You know, how as much as everyone can help, that's good because it means that you're on our side, which is obviously so important. I mean, how you live your life has got nothing to do
0: with me. I can't. I'm not one of those people that's going to start telling you how to live your life. As long as you're happy and
1: you're not a bad
0: person, then I think more power to you. And I think that, you know, it takes a lot of courage as an 11 year old to stand there and say, I'm not happy.
1: Yeah.
0: And like, it's really nice to hear that you do have like that support from people as well. Yeah, it
1: is nice. It is, yeah. It is very,
0: yeah. I mean, you have support from my Instagram followers as well, because I did get <laughs> a lot of people saying, it's not a question, but can you tell Chesla she's really beautiful? Oh, that's so, so sweet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you do have a lot of fans out there. And there people, are a lot of people are really lovely. When I meet them in person, the majority of people are so sweet and so just genuine. And that really just melt my heart. That's how I know that I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep... Because you know, I have those down days of... Oh, fuck it. Like, I feel so sheer. Why do I keep doing this? But then when I meet people in person, I'm like, oh my God, okay, this is why I do this, though, because people are very genuine and very kind. And it does help people, which is
0: yeah. Why I do. I it guess poorly. it's for like every 10 bad messages, as long as you get one good one. Exactly. It exactly. makes it worth it, doesn't oh, it? Oh, really? it really does. 100%. Um, but I'm going to end the episode with a last question. So, what would you say to the people in your past and people in the future that doubt your success based on the fact you're a trans woman?
1: Um good luck finding inner happiness.
0: <laughs> I mean nice and straight to the point to be fair, but um thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. I've thank you so much for having me. Thank Honestly, you so much. I feel like I've learned so much. I'm glad. I um, I won't lie, I can't wait to <laughs> I can't wait to see what your magician doctor created. Oh, but yeah, my God, no. I'll show you <laughs> later. Do not lie, Sharon. But, um, no, thank you so much. and Thank you so much. I honestly can't wait to see more from you. Oh, me too. Thank you so much.